Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. Um, So we are finishing our series in Titus today. I've enjoyed it a lot, even if you haven't. Hopefully you have. Um, So glad you're here today. As we finish this series, uh, we're going to wrap up what Paul is saying to Titus and the church that he's pastoring. And what he says to him is, is pretty interesting. He actually basically says, He closes his letter with, this is what's going to tear apart a church. Don't do it. Uh, Don't let it happen. Fight for it. Anybody here ever seen a church get torn apart? So I want to start with virtually everything in this message, I don't believe we really struggle with as a church. I think we're doing great as a people. I don't think we have much of these problems. doesn't mean it can't come up. But we don't have these issues in our community. One of the reasons, we're, we're younger as a church. Um, so just drama comes in often over time, right? Right? When your kid's six, they don't throw the fit they do at 16. Right? It's just, di- they throw fits, but it's not the same. At 16, like, oh, I so wish I could, like, spank or something right now. You know, and some of you are like, that's awful, but okay. Um, but whatever it is, like, I wish I, there was a toy of yours I could take away. Like, you could take their phone, but it's not the same, you know? There's, there's just something, you know, that, because as they grow up, right, and when they're 25, you can hardly say anything. And, and the same thing's often true in a church, right? Did you know the average life of a church in the U.S. is about 50 years? They don't make it at nearly as long. Like a lot of people are like, most churches are like hundreds of years old, right? No. Actually, they're not. Mainline denominations, they, they stick in there a little bit longer. They do a little bit better, but a lot of those churches are already dead, and they just won't close them. So, um, not saying which ones, where. I'm just saying it's very common. So, so I, I actually pulled together, uh, these are real things of fights and dissensions that happened in churches. So, top ten mistakes uh, churches made. There, it was a longer list, and I pared it down to ten, because I didn't want to keep it here that long. Actual church fights that actually happened. Number one, they had an argument over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. Man, can you imagine feeling so entitled in your church? You're like, yeah, um, let's talk, you know, about the length of pulling in like a tape measure up to his face. Uh, Number two, a deacon accusing another deacon of sending an anonymous letter and deciding to settle the matter in the parking lot. (laughs) Could have sold tickets, raised some money. Number three, a church argument and vote decide to decide if a clock in the worship center should be removed. And this is what happens. This stuff happens in a lot of churches. They fight over dumb stuff. Number four, a dispute over whether the worship leader should have his shoes on during the service. The answer is yes. Guaranteed that was a charismatic church. Guaranteed. That was not fundamentalist Baptist. No way. Number five, a dispute in the church because the Lord's Supper had cran grape juice instead of grape juice. It's only 50% sanctified. (laughs) These are real. That's the best part. These are all real. Number six, two different churches reported fights over the type of coffee. In one of the churches, they moved from Folgers to a stronger Starbucks brand. In the other church, they simply moved to a stronger blend. Members left the church in the latter example. Here, that's, again, not an issue because you have every choice imaginable. And just so you know, yeah, yeah. That is all mom and dad. I have nothing to do with it. Uh, and just, I, I'm, I'm going to brag on them for a minute. 
everything you see out there every week besides the food, other food that other people bring in, um, that's 100% their heart and their donate. We have offered to pay for it. They give it out of their heart over and above their tithe. Yeah. Um, uh, number seven, an argument whether the church should allow deviled eggs at the church meal. Deviled eggs. <laughs> Cast it out. <laughs> Number eight, a disagreement over using the term pot luck instead of pot blessing. <laughs> Lord help us. <laughs> Number nine, an argument in a church over who has access to the copy machine. Because you can't, nobody, not just anybody, you got to have attained a certain level. Wow. Number 10, some church members left the church because one church member hid the vacuum cleaner from them, resulted in a major fight and a church split. Because <laughs> not just anybody can use the vacuum. So what's amazing is these are real arguments. People have really fought over these things. Churches have split over the color of the carpet. Moving from pews to chairs. Now, the beauty of being a portable church, we don't get into a lot of that. <laughs> we are not stuck on the building because no building will let us stick with them. <laughs> right? It's just not like um, when we moved to TVs, I didn't hear one complaint. They were like, oh, that's nice. I can see the words, you know. So it, it, that, that's wonderful, like, I, we haven't really had much of that. We don't struggle with a lot of this. But there are basically, what I would argue, at the, at the end of Titus, there are two major church diseases that Paul dives into. And they're church killers. Now there's an antidote for them, and we're going to talk about that too. But they're common church killers. And it goes back 2,000 years. This isn't new. Okay. But they're still here today, and you're going to see it. And the two of them are, I'll tell you right now, legalism and division. They're two major church killers. They're the greatest church killers. Okay, so let's read it. The end of Titus, starting at verse 9 in chapter 3. Don't get involved with foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and a second warning, and after that, have nothing to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth, and their own sins condemn them. I am planning to send either Artemis or Tychicus to you. As soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to stay there for the winter. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos with their trip. See that they're given everything they need. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Everybody here sends greetings. Please give my greetings to the believers, all who love us. May God's grace be with you all. Two diseases, like I said, churches should always be looking out for. Legalism and division. Always, we should be looking out for this in our, in our community of faith and in our own lives. Because it actually doesn't start in a church, it starts in us. We get pulled into dumb fights, dumb quarrels, dumb misconceptions, and then what's worse is we begin passing them on to other people in a church. Like, you've got to be on board with this. So, what is legalism? Well, let's talk about it quick. What's legalism? Rules that are not in the Bible that are often arbitrary and inconsistent. That's what legalism is. We're going to talk in the next couple of weeks about darkness and light. So some people have a rule about, uh, you know, certain days of the We won't have a Christmas tree because that came from a pagan thing. That's your discretion? I disagree with you on that. It, I don't care where it came from. If we can redeem it, we can use it. And there's a whole second, uh, we'll do it in the next couple of weeks. There's basically three categories of walking out the Christian faith. Of what can we receive, what can we reject, and what can we redeem. Okay? 
there are certain things, like there's a, there's a debate series that was on years ago, and one of the churches on, on Easter had their worship team open the service with Highway to Hell from ACDC. And they were preaching on hell, but I would still be like, nah, I would reject that. Because it's not, I understand what you're teaching about, but I would reject that song as a way to introduce people to hell. Okay? But, right, we do it every week here. We have a band that plays modern, current, arguably rock music, right? We have received that or redeemed that and use it for worship to the Lord, right? Okay? Um, and, and then there's other things we reject and things we can receive. So, but legalism says by our standards, not God's, what we should receive, reject, and redeem instead of God's standards. And we make something arguably biblical that isn't. We make a rule up that people must follow in order to be true Christ followers. That isn't in the Bible. And what's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is it basically, here's what legalism does. It says, Jesus, you're not enough. It's an accidental idolatry that says you got to do more than what Jesus did. you got to follow more than Jesus says you got to follow. And that's what was happening in this church. You see, do you think God has, they were saying you still got to be circumcised. you still got to do these things. And Paul was saying no. And not only that, those people are, they're heretics. Because, now imagine that. We wouldn't say that now. But if, I, if you went to Growth Track for the first time, if you're new, we'd love for you to come to Growth Track at the end of the month. It's basically you discover who we are, what we do, who you are, and what you can do in our church. But, but what if you went to Growth Track and halfway through we're like, and also you've got to be circumcised, and then we just kept going. You'd be like, excuse me, what? Right? You would stop, and you'd be like, I don't know if I want to go here. Now, if you're a woman, you'd be like, no. Oh. That's weird, but let's keep going. Um, right? Not as much of an issue. Um, but it's telling people, legalism is telling people Jesus isn't enough. But what's even worse is it tells somebody who's lost, who's new to church, who's unsaved, who's new to God, doesn't know him. It tells the lost person, don't even bother. Because you'll never add up. But those people who are in the right place and in the right stance, we already know we don't add up. We're not enough. We'll never be enough. Jesus is enough. Legalism's kind of like this. It's like having this beautiful, amazing fence that's just outstanding. And we're like, you know, that's not, I'm going to put up my chain link fence too to keep it out. It's ugly and doing nothing. Do you see what I mean? That's what legalism is. It's a pretty good picture. Legalism is ugly and kind of pointless. Now, there is a difference between your convictions and what you got to walk out in your life versus somebody else. Okay? So, for example, I'm just going to make it personal, and I've shared this before. Our family, we don't drink alcohol. My wife and I don't at all. Like, obviously our kids don't. But we don't. And it's not because alcohol, drinking alcohol is a sin. It is not. Did Jesus drink alcohol? You can say it. Yeah. Are we allowed to say that? I don't. Oh, I think it was a different kind of special grape juice. It's just, it was not. That was wrong. Fundamentalist Baptists actually came up with that like 50 years ago because they were uncomfortable with it. All right? And true to Pentecostal Charismatics, we just picked up what the Baptists were doing when we brought it in. And, and no, Jesus drank wine. But getting drunk in their time was virtually unheard of in Jewish culture. They didn't do that. We don't do it not because it's a sin, because it isn't a sin. Drunkenness, clear sin. Very clear, obvious, in Scripture. Drinking alcohol, is that a sin? No. We don't do it in our lives 
because we have alcoholics in our family, and we know genetically it would just set us up for failure, but also a lot of people are watching our lives. So on either end, it's just not worth it. That being said, you don't have to have that standard. That's not a standard you have to have on your life because it's not a sin issue. But legalism would say, if I stood here and said, you, none of you must ever touch it, not a drop, stay away from it, run, be afraid. <laughs> if I made that sin, that's legalism, it's not in the Bible. Now that being said, I could argue it's dangerous, it's destructive, you don't know when you're going to get addicted, all true. But I can't tell you, you cannot. You see the difference? Okay, so we have common legalisms today, like common ones, you can only read the King James Bible, which is not one we have. Again, we are good at most of the stuff. We're not struggling with this stuff as a church. I'm just talking common legalisms in the church abroad. King James only. And I'm always like, really? Wow. Do you speak Old English, like, on a regular basis? Like, would thou, boss, want me to come in this today? Like, do you talk that way? And so you go, well, that's because it was the word-for-word translation. Yes, at that time... And then since then, we have discovered better, more updated manuscripts that were a little more historically accurate, and we've translated it again. Thank God. Can you enjoy both? Yes. But if you're like, only this one. Just so you know, and I'm not, this is, this is going to sound like a joke, but it isn't. Cults do start that way and have. Numerous cults have been like King James only. Like, you do realize King James isn't the king. Jesus is king. All right, so there's another one. No secular music. Here's the best part. That was a big one. It's not really much of a thing anymore, right? But back, when anybody here grow up in the church and was like, no secular music? And nobody told them that Sony owned all the Christian labels. Like, you do realize, and, and not, not only that, some of those Christian artists were not believers at all. I won't name names. <laughs> you can do your own research. But eh, R-rated movies. No R-rated movies. And you were sitting there watching The Passion of the Christ feeling so guilty. <laughs> oh, oh. No, we talked about the alcohol thing. Well, here's one. Um, we don't, again, we don't enforce this. Uh, this is not us. Women can't wear makeup. Some, 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 some ones believe that. And I'm like, man, good on you, buddy. Like, you guys, you got, how many kids do you have? Like, all right. Um, oh, come on. I'm kidding. Uh, where's this wife today? <laughs> she is, she's out of town. She is actually out of town for a birthday with a friend. Um, all men wear suit and ties. Here we go. Which, you know, for, for people like me, tucking in can be a challenge. Uh, so I, glad, I am glad. Anyway, today's Christian pedigree. So he talks about pedigrees, like what levels have you attained in the faith? Where did you come from? What do you know? Today's Christian pedigrees are kind of like this. First, I would argue spiritual gifting. People think, well, if I'm spiritually gifted, I am more mature. Let's talk about spiritual gifts for just a second. We believe in them. I believe wholeheartedly in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in healing. I believe in the prophetic. We believe in tongues and other things. And some of you are like, yeah, let's go right now. <laughs> and some of you are like, never. I will never believe that. Whatever. It's between you and the Lord. It's in the Bible. I don't believe it ended. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that. Okay? But we believe in spiritual giftings. Nowhere in the Bible does it say your gifting is equated to your maturity. Because it's a gift. That is the equivalent of me saying, I gave Nathan a Ferrari, therefore he's a great driver. I'm not saying he's not. He's, gotten, he's actually become a pretty good driver. There was a season there. It was, we were in a lot of faith. Just believe in God. And uh, so, but right, that's what we do. 
If I give you a million dollars, it does not mean you're good with money. You just have something. It's a gift. There are people who, when they pray for somebody, they see them healed. Man, I would never give them the mic because they are the worst <laughs> behind it. Like, and I've known people like that. There was a teacher at Bible college. Won't say his name. He's, uh, but, but, and he's not there anymore. But he was a prophetic guy. And when he gave a word, it was like, man, that was powerful and right on. And when he taught, it was like, shut up. It was like apostolic Mad Libs. Just every other word. Apostolic, apostolic. That's an apostolic sandwich you got there. Like, stop. Like, you make no sense and you don't understand the word. And you know what it was? He had a gifting spiritually, but his maturity had not arrived. He didn't know the word. As a matter of fact, that's dangerous. If you operate in the things of the spirit and are not grounded in the word, Man, you are, you are like a person shooting guns out in the wild. And you're treating the spiritual walk like the Wild West, and it is not. You know, when I have a word for somebody, and I do every so often. Matter of fact, Friday morning, I met somebody for coffee, a pastor friend. And, and, and I was sitting at the table, and as we were about to leave, a young man walked across the place, and, and I felt the Lord said, go talk to him. And my initial response, being as false spiritual as I am, I was like, nah. That's how I felt. And like, no, Lord's like, no, go talk and pray with him. And I'd literally just gotten done saying to the, to the pastor I was with, like, I want to be a soul-winning church. That's my heart. And then I feel the Holy Spirit's like, you said you wanted to be a soul-winning church. <laughs> like, yeah, but somebody else. You know, like, that's my, that's my response. And, and so I'm like, all right, Lord, you're right. And I walk over. I say, you don't know me? I introduce myself. Anything I can pray with you for? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I could really use prayer. Anything specific? Yeah, I'm in a fight with my ex over my kids. I'm going to lose them. I just prayed with them. And they're like, what made you come over here? The Holy Spirit. They asked. And I said, the Holy Spirit. I believe God's real. Took my number out. And I invited them out. Maybe I'll never see him again. Maybe we will. But I also didn't go over in that moment and say, Thus saith the Lord, Shamba. Do you know why? Because that's weird. And they wouldn't receive it. But some people are like that with the gifts. Stop it. If God has gifted you with something, grow in maturity in the gift and know how to approach the people and bring it to them. We are to be mature and not get in weird things with it. Degrees, all right? Some of us, our pedigrees are degrees. I went to, I went to Moody. Well, la-di-da. <laughs> Man, I love Moody. I love Bible college. I have a master's degree in ministry. And you know what it got me? Debt. <laughs> It did not get me more maturity. I learned more. Degrees, all they mean, all degrees mean is that you can retain information. It does not mean you are wise. It does not mean you've grown. Learning how to apply it and live it out, that's what a degree does. Okay? Degrees are great. I am for them, obviously. But they don't mean you're more mature. Okay, here's another one, Tie, uh, uh, titles. A title does not necessary, necessarily say you're mature. Those should come up on the screen, guys. Uh, nope, not. What you should do is pour water on the laptop and then see if it'll work after that. I've, I looked it up. Um, titles. <laughs> uh, we think, uh, just give me a title. There are some people, like, they're like, just, just, they're just begging for the title. Like, just make, make, make me pastor of... Pastor bathroom cleaning. Just, just put me, just give me, can I be the pastor of that? Like, titles don't matter. They don't matter in the kingdom. Like, when somebody says Brian or Pastor Brian, you can call me either one. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Now, who you call Jesus, Jesus is my homeboy, that I care about, because he's not. He's our Lord. He's our king. 
Let's treat them as such. And everybody else, we're all kind of on equal footing. Now, we do treat people with honor and respect, but a title doesn't, man, I've, I've met some youth pastors over the years, present company excluded, <laughs> okay? When you gave them a title, you know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> they were just as awful as they were the day before they got the title. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm Pastor, I'm pastor uh, Eric, and you should honor me as such. Call me. I had a youth pastor growing up. I was like, my name's Pastor. I've earned that title. You better call me it. He didn't say that to me because I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'll call somebody pastor. It doesn't bother me. Guess what? The person he told that to did not go well. <laughs> and that person never did it from then on. Now, they are both wrong because the pastor shouldn't need to be called a title. But the, and the other person shouldn't be so unwilling not to. Uh, hey, there you go. See, the water worked. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, tech is fun, isn't it, guys? Poor guy, man, they're just amazing, aren't they? Like, they serve so much because I couldn't, they did it all this morning. Seriously, it is one of the most unthanked jobs in churches because you're only ever noticed when something goes wrong. When everything, worship was amazing. Everybody will tell Heidi and the worship team. But nobody goes back to the sound was like, worship was amazing. As if they, they play a pretty big part. Um, years, here's the last title, Years in Church. That's pedigree. That being said, we haven't been around that long, so that doesn't carry a lot of weight around here. But if you're, anybody, old churches, right? If you're at the, if you're at the, man, I think I need a new stand. This is like two weeks in a row, isn't it? Or I need a new iPad. Or both at this point. Um, so years in church. We're going to try again. Stay. Years in church, there are people like, I've been in this church 50 years. So, congratulations, you have done what the Lord asked you to do as a believer. You've stayed faithful in a local body of believers. Because God honor our faithfulness, you bet. But if we use our faithfulness as leverage for our opinions, we've just thrown out our faithfulness. Right? We're no, faithfulness no longer matters. One other I'd put on there that's not on there is giving. Some people think, I give a lot, so therefore listen to me. Again, I don't think we struggle with this anywhere in our church. I don't know anybody has it. But there are churches like, well, I give this much, so, you know, like, great. Let's put our nameplate on the chair in front of you where you sit every week. Like, oh, it's just the worst yeah, some of us know, some of you are here just because you were at a church like that and you're like, no more. And you know what happens? The legalism came in because they began to think, I'm above because of what I've done. Instead of living in the light of humility, it says, no, it's all what Jesus did. I'm nothing without him. We fight over dumb stuff. Like, I've done this, I've done that. We create rules. You, you, should, you should never take part in this day or that day or go there. Or You know, we're going to try and take a team. I'm announcing it now. We're going to try and take a team to Mardi Gras as, a, as an evangelism team. Join Scott Henkel. Go witness on the streets. Some of you would be like, oh, you can't do that. You can't, you can't go there. No, I don't think anybody in here would say that, but... But some people do. Some people are like that with Halloween. Some people are like that with, oh, you can't. Take a deep breath and realize some of the things we fight over are dumb while the world goes to hell. And we need to ask, what are the things worth fighting over? And what are the things worth saying, major on the majors, minor on the minors? Now, if you're the person who, if you're 15 and you're like, oh, I'm excited for that trip, uh, you don't get to go. <laughs> uh, you got to be 18 to go on this mission trip because uh, it's intense and really dark. And they're lost, and we don't participate in anything. If you're going to go on that trip, guess what? You don't get to drink. On this trip, there is no alcohol. It's not because I think you're going to get drunk, but we're going to separate ourselves from the world on that trip. That's the point, Okay. And if you want to go, great, we'd love for you to go. But 
these are things we need to separate ourselves and realize I'm not going to get in fights that don't, of the things that don't matter in the light of eternity. And some things bother me that I don't like. We all have them. And we can all argue some of it biblically. But we need to realize if it's not specifically directly said in the word of God, you might be in danger of legalism. I had somebody tell me several years ago, I was like, you know, you're being pretty legalistic. And they're like, I can't be legalistic. I have tattoos. <laughs> I literally said, I have no response to that. <laughs> so, I'd like, do you, do you think you, you can't have Phariseeism? And what's the answer to legalism in our own lives? It's the antidote for both, actually. It's the grace of God. It's realizing that we don't save anybody and we didn't save ourselves. The grace of God, the road to Jesus is narrow, but he also opened the door to heaven wide by the grace of God. There's a lot of space in a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of freedom in marriage. And then there are certain things that it's totally out of bounds, right? There's a lot of freedom now with our money. And then there are certain things the Lord requires of us. There's a ton of freedom in Christ, and there's the grace of God. If you're like, well, I disagree with you on this or that, Pastor Brian, great, take it back to the Word. But whatever you disagree on, apply grace to it and not just law. You are allowed to fully disagree with me on something. It's okay, because I'm not Jesus. I don't want to be either. (laughs) But does your life have grace upon it? I love the assemblies of God. We're a part of it. One of the things I think they stink at is grace. They're just not that good at it. And truthfully, this side of like the Pentecostal, charismatic aisle, or even the Reformed, just bad at grace. It's, it's we're really afraid we're going to dive into sin and cross over into, we're, we're not. Do we believe he holds us in his righteous right hand or not? We're not going to veer off into, into la-la land. But we need to apply a little more grace to our lives when it comes to the rules. If they're not in the word, take a deep breath. Slow down. Peter's told in the book of Acts, he's told, go ahead and eat pork and a lot of it. <laughs> what a great day that was. <laughs> well, what was Peter's response? No, no, Lord, I have never touched this my whole life. Never. And the Lord, he doesn't say, look, bacon's awesome, trust me. He doesn't say that. And he doesn't say, you know, how dare you speak back to me. You know what he says? Does anybody remember? What does the Lord say? Who are you to call unclean what I've made clean? You know, before I got married, I prayed. I had not kissed a girl before my wife. And somewhere in my mind, I had hoped that that's who I would marry. Somebody with no, like, sexual romantic past. And she did not have that history. Now, she, she, she was pure, but there are things she had been done and that I had never done. And somewhere in our courtship, I remember, and it, it, it stung, it hurt. And she told me those things before we got married. And I heard the whisper of the Lord, who are you to call unclean what I have made clean? We have to live that way, guys. The Lord is a redeemer. Apply the grace of God to your life, not just the law. Man, it's so good. It's so good. Verse 10 and 11, he goes on to talk about divisions, those who cause divisions. Again, I don't think we struggle with this. But it's a warning to us. Division destroys. It's a, it's a, 
It is a disease in churches that destroy everywhere. And, and there are people who critique and complain, and, and man, they just love doing it. Some preachers love doing it from the pulpit, just causing division. And I would, I would say right now, the church in, in the Western world, if not globally, is more divided than it's ever been. I mean, I watched Twitter wars of people who would have both called themselves evangelicals just going at each other. Division is rampant in the church. A big part of it is we just left the Bible. But we also are fighting fights we don't need to fight. And enter, what did Paul say to do with the person who's in division? You confront them once, twice, and then have nothing to do with them. I'm out. You want to cause division? You go ahead. I won't stop you. Because ultimately, the Lord is going to take care of you. The Lord is going to take care of that. I remember seeing a pastor years ago. He was a new pastor, and he was inheriting a, kind of a tough church. It is not one around here, and none of you know this church, just so you know. You're like, he's talking about that. It's not one you know, actually. It's way up north. You don't know it. But he was running around having all kinds of meetings, basically putting out fires. And I, I realized now it was kind of a prophetic vision. And the way he was putting out fires, it's kind of like that prank years ago where inside the bag that they lit on fire is like dog do, and then they get like dog do on their shoe. That's what he was doing. All he was doing was getting himself all gross, and he thought he was handling it. And you know what? Every person he had a meeting with left. Why? Mostly he was running around tackling it because he was insecure about his own position. We are to confront division. It's destructive. It's a disease in a church. And if it's not treated, it'll destroy a church. But division starts here. Disagreements are only division when we let them in our heart. I will say that again because that was pretty good. Disagreements are only become division when they, we let them into our hearts. See, because you can be like, I disagree with you on that, Pastor Ryan. Okay, cool. I understand. But it becomes division when you're like, I can't be here, and I'm going to take some people with me. Because now you're in deception. You're in this, you're in that. And you have to ask, most of the time, we saw the top ten list, most of the time, it is not a biblical issue. Almost never. Some are like, no, it is, it is, because, but you can't point to it in the Bible. You can give a lot of arguments, and we warn ourselves in that stuff. We have to warn ourselves in that stuff. Division is dangerous to us, not just a church. It's to us. It's our heart condition. Again, I don't think we deal with this. I can't think of anybody anywhere in this church where that's an issue. One of the main ways division, I believe, starts, from what I've seen, just pragmatically, can't argue it scripturally, one of the main ways it starts is somebody decides to vent to somebody else with a problem they have. And they're not doing it in the heart to make it right or see it be right. They're just frustrated. I just need to vent is actually not in the Bible. Now, being heard and feeling like I just need to be heard, I need to get it out, I need to talk through it, it's fine. The Psalms is like that. Most of it's to the Lord. I only talk to people about somebody who I'm struggling with or, frust- or something I'm frustrated about to people who will look me in the eye and say, yeah, I understand, or yeah, you're wrong, or I know won't pick up an offense from it. That's actually the group that uh, Eric and Kimmy are doing right now, the bait of Satan. It's all about being offended. And the truth is offense is the thing that leads to division, which is a disease that tears down churches. And if you haven't gone through the study, you need to. It's fundamental for a believer. I believe that. It's fundamental. 
offense is dangerous if not dealt with rightly. Just watch and guard our hearts, guys. That's it. There's a church in, in Springfield, Missouri that's one of my favorite churches to listen to, the pastor, John Lindell. It's called James River Church. I love listening to that pastor. He's one of my favorite pastors to listen to. And in the early 90s, they just, the church exploded. And they're a giant church now. I think they're like 15,000 people. Ridiculous amount. And, and God moves in the church. Like, it's a great church. Well, I've been to it a couple of times. And every time I've been like, this is awesome. Um, and it's not because it's big. It's, God is in that place. Like, it's awesome. And he was asked early on by some magazine or group or something as they're writing an article on him, and they said to him, like, how long do you think you can keep this up? How long will this go on? And you know what his response? It was so good. How long can this keep happening? Like, people, he's getting saved and coming. How long will that happen? And his response was so good. And I, I have taken it into my heart. He said, for as long as we keep our hearts right. And the moment we get stuck up in stupid divisions and arguments and fights, that's the moment it's over. It's how marriages fall apart. We find something and we say, I'm just not going to forgive it anymore. I had a friend I sat down with not that long ago who had hurt me a lot. And I wanted answers. And it got to the place where the Lord just spoke and like, if you don't, if you never give an answer, you just forgive. Forgiveness isn't getting answers, it's letting it go. And I realized that's what I got to do. It's not that I had been in unforgiveness. I wasn't walking around like, it wasn't like that. It just certain things, I felt like I want an answer. And finally it was like, I'm not going to get an answer. And if I don't get an answer, I'm still going to let go of the division. The antidote, guess what the antidote to division disease is? The grace of God. We forgive people by the grace of God. If Pastor Brian lets you down, guaranteed it'll happen, human. I'd love your grace and your forgiveness. Because it's going to happen. If your spouse lets you down, you offer them grace. And forgiveness. You're going to have things you disagree on. See, we are so consumeristic when it comes to how we view church in the U.S. They got to have this type of kids program, and they got to have this type of youth ministry, and they better have this type of worship. And I need this from my church. And oh, he's got to preach that way. And make make sure there's a woman on there somewhere, and then maybe another staff member like this, and like. There's no grace. You realize that is legalism. You've made up rules for what a church should do for you. Well, no, no, no. God gave me these standards. Did he? (laughs) Did he? You know, I, I go back to, I'm going back to, and I'm about to close. When I met my wife, she asked me just the other day, like, what did you give up? We were listening to something or saw something. Like, what did you give up to follow me? Like, the, the things you let go of to be with me. And I, I said, well, I kind of gave up everything. And she was like, well, that is not good. You need to come back and say something better than that. I was like, he hasn't come on up. It's all right. Um, I said, no, 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 no. Because I had my own list and my list is wrong. It's bad. Every standard I make up isn't God's. His standards are so much better and higher than mine. And God gave me far above what my standards were. Way beyond what I could have asked, thought, or imagined. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't want a big family. Do you know why? Because I was selfish. God put me with somebody who did. Man, thank God he's right and I'm wrong. So good. Thank God for his grace. My wife wanted eight kids. (laughs) Thank God for the middle. (laughs) You know, 
just the grace of God. You know, I think, I'm thankful. I spent a long season with a pastor in Madison, Wisconsin, who came from the same traditions and backgrounds and even Bible college that I went to. And I remember just being like, where's the holiness? And we got to do this and that. And it was over like youth leaders. And he, he made me read through a couple of books and just long talks with me because I had just an immense legalism on my life. Tremendous, guys. If you think you're legalistic, I probably had a beat somewhere. Until the Lord began to get a hold of my life. I realized, like, you've made up rules, and your life is so graceless. We are people who hate sin and run from it. But we should never be a people who are afraid of it. We are people who reject the culture and ways of this world and say, I don't want to be a part of it. But we're not a people who are afraid of it. Do you see the difference? When fear comes in and says, you got to be afraid of that, run and, and therefore run, you move into a gracelessness in your life. And you start dividing yourself from the one who redeemed you. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You have been made clean. When you fall, it is a moment, not who you are. Or as a teacher at my Bible college taught, he said, failure is an event, not a person. Now, if you don't know Jesus, you are identified as a sinner. And you need a Savior. But if you do know Jesus, you're identified as a saint. And you're forgiven. And you're redeemed. And God doesn't want to just bless you. He wants to multiply your life. He wants to extend your influence. Right in the Chronicles, we've talked about it. There was a whole book about it. Chronicles, in nine chapters of begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, there's one guy who comes out by the name of Jabez, and they talk about it for a minute. And it says, Jabez, his meaning of his name is the one who caused his pain. And he said, oh, Lord, bless me indeed. May your hand keep me from harm and pain. He cries out to God, I don't want to live up to this. I want something better. And the Lord moves on him. And, said, and it says, and the Lord did that for him. And then it goes on to beget so-and-so. Why that moment? Because the Lord hears our cries. And, and the Lord had grace before Jesus. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's a gracious God. And we need to afford one another it once again. We need to give each other a little bit of grace again. A little bit of understanding. A little bit of room to disagree. And I, I get it. We're in a time where it's like, well, we're, some of the things they moved into, the, the, the churches, some churches and some believers are moving into is, is heresy. It's wrong. It's a, I agree. I agree. But, but losing grace doesn't seem to be winning them back. Are our words seasoned with salt with one another? Are they kind? Are we extending something to one another? Forgiveness? Even in this room, is there somebody you're like, I have an offense with them? And you just need to go to them and you don't need to say, hey, apologize to me. That's not how it goes. You have division with somebody in this room, and you just need to go to them and be like, you know what? I've harbored something into my heart. I'm sorry. And just take ownership of it. Release it. Some of you have made rules over your own life. Man, I didn't have my quiet time at 6 a.m., and now the now demons possess me all day long. <laughs> no. <laughs> the enemy can't dwell in your house because your house belongs to the Lord. And the devil doesn't get to live in the house of Jesus. 
which we'll discuss in the next couple of weeks. But that can't happen. Christians can't be possessed. But we can be oppressed. He can push on us. He can convince us of some things. And, and you just need to be like, man, God loves me. And when I miss him, he's not mad at me. He misses me too. He's so good. We forgot that God is good. We forgot that he's on our side and that he, he accomplished all the rules we couldn't. Man, I just want to hang in that forever. I want the division to be gone in my heart and life. And again, there are some people who, they've caused division over and over and up. There are people in my life I've had to say, can't be with you in life anymore because they're a division causer. Nobody in this church. They they exist. But people who are trying to follow Jesus, that doesn't happen. The division causers come, come into people who decided to stop following Jesus. Legalism comes in when we decide Jesus isn't enough. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Yeah.